What's up, my fellow dreamers, doers, and entrepreneurs? This is Rocket Fuel Radio, the show for everyone who strives to do good and do well. I'm Joshua Johnson. There are a lot of things you and I want out of our lives, and we want them for a number of reasons. But is there such a thing as having too many reasons? A new study suggests there is, and that the wrong blend of motivations could decrease your long-term success. Researchers at the Yale School of Management tested this hypothesis using thousands of students at a school known for producing world-class leaders, the United States Military Academy in West Point, New York. Let's explore the report's results with one of its co-authors, Yale's Tom Kolditz. He is a retired Army Brigadier General and the director of the Leadership Development Program at the Yale School of Management. Tom, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. First, let's define the terms that you use in your study. Most people talk about intrinsic and extrinsic reasons for doing something, but you talk about internal and instrumental reasons. Now, I don't want to get too much into the weeds here, but why use internal and instrumental? Well, the notion of an, an internal motivation or drive focuses on something that's inspirational and that moves an individual from their center. External forces are instrumental, and that term goes back to the notion of instrumental conditioning, that is, uh, rewards and punishments manipulating behavior in an instrumental fashion. So just to make sure I understand you, we're talking about, for example, the difference between saying, I want to be a scientist because I want to cure a disease, versus saying, I want to be a scientist because I want to make a six-figure salary. It's that kind of distinction, right? It is. You, you got it exactly right. Now, you are a retired brigadier general, so it is somewhat easy to see why using service members for this study might appeal to you. But why did you choose West Point cadets for this research? Well, there are really two reasons. The first reason is that their required military service after West Point gave us the opportunity to look at their actual performance in their jobs and careers following their education and their initial commitment uh, and the descriptions of why they were motivated to do that. The second reason is somewhat counterintuitive. Because uh, service academies are filled on congressional nominations, they're extremely diverse. You have people from every state in the union uh, represented uh, in terms of the population of that state. Uh, you have individuals from dozens of foreign countries and none of them were given admission to West Point based on uh, monetary concerns and so forth. It's all merit-based. So service academies are some of the most diverse and representative populations in which to do research, something that a lot of people don't really understand. You might think that you know, a state university or an Ivy League school uh, would be more representative, but in, in point of fact, they're not. Uh, service academies are really the best opportunity for high-quality research. And I imagine if you want to study leadership, you know, everyone who goes through West Point is being trained to be a leader. So in that way, it seems somewhat ideal. Well, the real convenience there is that the Army's performance appraisal system is built around assessments of how well an individual leads. The, if you look at the boilerplate on the assessments, uh, the performance assessments, 
they are 100% focused on the Army's leadership doctrine and how well that individual has led in their assignments. They're looking for someone who is really committed to serving the people that they lead. In military contexts, leadership isn't some sort of uh, perk or or advantage. It's a, it's a moral obligation to the soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marines that are being led. And so the emphasis is on how well the individual is able to lead. And the Army's leadership assessments are generally competency-based. They're focused on specific skills and abilities that leaders show in the performance of their duties. So it's a very concrete representation of how well they lead. All right, let's get into how the study came out. As I understand it, people with internal and instrumental reasons for enlisting did not rise as high as those whose reasons were more purely internal. Give us some examples of what that looks like and how that manifested itself. Well, we, we studied uh, the, the rationales that cadets gave for joining the Army, for attending West Point, and subsequently serving. And some of them were very internal, uh, very service-oriented, very patriotic, very abstract. Uh, in other instances, there were fo- more of a focus on the benefits of service academies and The fact is that you get a great education at a service academy, you get great leadership experience, and those individuals are in high demand. So some cadets would attribute their interest in in the military academy to those more external concerns. I would also include athletes in that group where they would say that their rationale for attaining the academy included the ability to play Division I sports. Then we looked at how well those individuals later performed as leaders in Army units. And as one might expect, and as has been shown in many motivation studies, the people who had intrinsic motivations, deeply personal, were better. They turned out to be more passionate leaders and more effective leaders than people who had more external reasons for for wanting to join. But the really interesting finding was that even in the presence of strong internal motivations to serve, that when you added on top of that the external motivations, it tended to diminish their capability to lead, their performance later in actual army units. That's an interesting finding because you would assume that motivation is additive, that having more motivations for something would make your your motivation and your performance more more powerful. That is not the case. So it seems like internal and instrumental reasons kind of cancel each other out when it comes to performance. Why do you think that is? In a sense, they're incompatible with one another. They're virtually opposite reasons, uh, opposite uh, motivations. These external reasons can crowd out the original internal motivations and really just come to dominate uh, the individual's perceptions about why they're doing what they're doing. So I think it's uh, one of these interesting psychological circumstances where it's almost impossible to hold two incompatible or marginally compatible 
uh, reasons for doing something. Is this kind of a simplistic way of saying that people start in with noble intentions, but along the way they just get greedy and they forget why they started doing what they do? Well, I don't know if I would make a, a value judgment in terms of, of greed. I mean, certainly it's reasonable for a young person who is a, a talented athlete to want to go to a school you know, for that kind of reason. But at the same time, you have to look at what the core function of the organization is. And the core function of being an Army officer is to serve. So when there are other things that begin to compete with that, I think it moves the individual off of the, the, the core element of, of why they're there, and it has an effect on their performance. You know, I find these results really fascinating, partly because they fly somewhat in the face of what people presume about leading and finding great leaders. I mean, you hear companies and universities and nonprofits and governments say all the time, you know, we have to pay a competitive salary, give competitive benefits, or we cannot attract the best talent. But what your study seems to say is that that's wrong, that the best talent is still the best, whether you pay them top dollar or not. Well, you know, I think if you ask yourself who you would want leading in your organization, someone who has internalized the organizational values and is passionate about it and feels it's a calling, or someone who's being paid really well to do it. I think you would always go with the former. You know, the term mercenary has always had a negative connotation to it. The idea that an individual will be doing work based solely on remuneration. And so I think this is just an extension of that and just, you know, a little bit of concrete evidence. If you talk to professional leader developers, many of them have always had a sense that values-based leadership and people who view leading as a calling do better than people who are only leading to get ahead or to be benefited in some way. But there's not a whole lot of evidence out there in the literature that supports that. And I think this is finally some solid evidence that shows the value of these internal commitments to lead. All right. So practically speaking, what are companies and organizations supposed to do? We cannot stop paying people, and a lot of companies would not feel comfortable about stopping giving out bonuses or stopping giving out rewards. And I'm assuming that's not what you're suggesting, but what should they do? Well, actually, I think they can uh, use bonuses in a, a much different way. I think that the ideal circumstance is for them to take remuneration off the table as much as possible for the people who have leadership roles in the organization. That doesn't mean people can't be paid exceptionally well, but they need to select and promote their leaders based on individuals who are both effective and have a passion and an internal drive for performing that role. And the individuals who are doing it for primarily instrumental reasons because they think leaders get paid more than non-leaders are really a bad bet for companies because they're not going to perform as well as the more committed individuals. 
Well, I hear what you're saying, but some companies' motivations for being are inherently external, like banks and mortgage lenders and hedge funds. You know, in those cases, their motivations are instrumental. They're about the money. So what should they do? There are a couple things to remember. First of all, there are ways to succeed and to get ahead that don't involve leadership. Let's not assume that the only way to advance in an organization is to be a good leader. Sometimes the best way to advance is to be a good performer. The other thing I would say is that many of the institutions that are heavily instrumental in terms of their rewards and in terms of their selection of of leaders are not well known for producing good leaders. These are institutions where people are not particularly inspired, where people are not particularly well-led, even though they can perform in a way that can generate a considerable amount of revenue. So leadership isn't a panacea. There are many ways to get ahead in the world that don't involve inspiring and motivating other people. And for individuals, for people who feel motivated by multiple things, what should we do? I mean, my aspirations are internal and instrumental. I I won't lie. But does that mean I should tamp down my financial goals with my career objectives and try to be more altruistic? I mean, what should we do? Well, I think we should enjoy the instrumental consequences of our activities. It's great to have outcomes that that are high payoff and that, you know, make our lives easier. What we have to be careful of is when we begin to be motivated by those instrumental consequences. So there's a difference between having these great outcomes uh, that pay us well and that reward us in external ways and saying that that's why we do what we do. I think it's a difference between having a reason and having soul, that it has to do with the, with the amount of passion and focus that you can put towards outcomes. And as long as we're motivated to do what we do for our solid internal reasons, then we're free to enjoy the positive instrumental consequences. They just can't rule us. How do the results of this study make you think about how you pursue leadership in your own work and in your own life? Well, you know, I can remember back to, to my time in the Army. You know, I was there for more than 30 years. And in that period of time, if you'd have ever come up to me and asked me, how much money do you make? I couldn't have told you. I probably couldn't have even estimated within a few thousand dollars. Wait, 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 wait. Are you, are you saying you had no idea what the Army was paying you? I, I really didn't. I didn't pay any attention to it. I knew that there was money going into the account, that my wife was paying the bills, there was enough left over for us to take vacations and, and save a little bit, but that, you know, we made the car payment and we, we paid everything we needed. My focus was on leading my soldiers and performing my duty. And everyone at my same rank and grade got paid exactly the same amount. So in that sense, external motivations were pretty much off the table for me. And it was a rich environment to develop as a leader. And so what I would hope for our students here at Yale and other high-performing business students is that they come to grips with the fact that they'll make plenty of money and they should really pursue what they're passionate about. And by doing that, they'll make a bigger impact on the world 
and it probably will eventually wind up benefiting them more than if they just focus on external reasons for uh, choosing the path in life that they choose. Professor Tom Kolditz is the director of the Leadership Development Program at the Yale School of Management. He's also the author of the book In Extremist Leadership, Leading as If Your Life Depended on It. Tom, I really appreciate the insights. Thanks for talking to us. Thanks, Sasha. Yale researcher Amy Wisniewski was the study's lead author. You can read the report for yourself online at rocketfuelradio.com. And that is Rocket Fuel Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Until we meet again, this is Joshua Johnson. Follow me on Twitter at Rocket Fuel Radio. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Wherever you listen, please write a review of the program and tell us what you think. Pretty, pretty, please write a review. And you can find more stories of unique leaders and their insights on how they lead online at rocketfuelradio.com. Rocket Fuel Radio.